It's really wonderful to have as part of this letter to Liverpool a piece by the wonderful Chloe Moss, read by the equally amazing Helen Carter. And actually, this one is dear to me on so, so many levels. Um, the very first play that I directed actually had um, at the Everyman had in its cast Nick Moss, a fantastic actor and now film director um, from Liverpool. And I hadn't made the connection that he also had a sister called Chloe, who was a wonderful playwright. And um, we've produced her work on our stages, The Long Way Home, some of you may remember, was a very beautiful play at The Everyman, written by Chloe. What Chloe, Helen and I have in common is that we all live in Waterloo and Crosby. Um, and we've all enjoyed a drink in the volley, which is, for those of you from this part of Liverpool, a rather totemic pub that is very, very ordinary on some levels, very small, but very special. And um, Chloe's piece is a beautiful letter to her father and to a Liverpool pub that is dear to anybody who lives in this part of North Liverpool. I hope you enjoy this love letter from this wonderful city. February 23rd, 1976. 10 o'clock at night. Bell's whiskey. Double, probably. Always a double on a special occasion. Just the one. Or two. I mean, the special occasions and then there's this. A daughter. Born a few hours earlier, seven pounds, six ounces. Little sister to a four-year-old boy. A family complete. I want to say he bought everyone a drink, but that might be pushing it. They all raised their glasses anyway, shouted, cheers and congratulations, and someone pressed a silver coin in his palm. Give this to the baby. Make sure you put it in her hand now, won't you? The volunteer canteen. Better known as The Volley. One of the backdrops to me childhood, a couple of hundred yards from the house I was born in. Years later, I'm lying on the big bed, chin cupped in hands, watching mum get ready. High heels, lipstick and clouds of reeve gauche. A night out with dad. The Volley, followed by the Golden Phoenix on Hanover Street, where they carve carrots into lotus flowers to decorate the food with. Mini works of art to carry home, carefully wrapped in tissue. The smell of smoke, perfume and ale from a good night kiss delivered while we pretend to be asleep. Sometimes on the way home from the park or shopping in South Road, we walk past and the doors open and I crane my neck to try and see what it's like inside. I hear laughing and I imagine cocktail dresses and glittery earrings, posh suits and cigars, songs and dancing on tables. One day a man staggers out as we pass and instinctively my mum steers me out of his path. He looks like he might fall or be sick. Or both. Instead he sits on the pavement curb and hunches over head and hands like he's expecting something to fall from the sky any second. Sorry I'm not drunk. I mean I am a bit drunk but I'm not a drunk. I had a few drinks and now I'm... Do you know what I mean? What bothers me more than the man being drunk is the fact that I can see a pool of what looks like dog piss right next to him. I had some news. It's not great news. It's bad news. So I was just doing that. Drowning me 
you know what I mean? Sorrows. In bed that night, I imagine what might have happened. And it dawns on me that the volley isn't just for laughter and babies being born. It's also for drunk men with sorrows. February 23rd, 1997. A family drink before a night out to celebrate me 21st. The story of the night I was born again and I'm itching to leave. Waiting impatiently for the taxi to turn up and take me to cream in town. I downed two white wine and lemonades and checked my makeup on the loo five times before rushing out of the door, leaving a helium balloon bobbing above the table where my family are still sitting. But the night itself is fine. But a bit of an anticlimax like most big events. And the next day, I can't help thinking that the best beer was the drink and the volley before. I'd happily die before admitting this, though. November 2013. I moved back home after 15 years in London. Partner and baby boy in tow. From a second-storey flat with no space to swing a cat to an actual house with stairs and a garden, a beach in front of our house and family five minutes down the road. We cheers to the future in the small pub that looks different now. Oh, it looks the same, but feels different. I want to stay here, around the table, with no desire to leg it somewhere more exciting. My son takes uncertain steps, hurls them onto tables to steady himself while his cousin follows, arms outstretched, ready to catch him. My dad looks to my mum, smiling. This is all because of us. February 23rd, 2020. My birthday. Red wine, I think, but it's hazy. My dad isn't with us. He died two days ago. I sit 44 years after that night with the whiskey, making a double, it's a gale, and the silver coin and the decades to follow where it go and come back and go and come back and go and come back and then stay. The volley feels dreamlike again, but not the dream with the woman in a sequin cocktail dress with earrings that bounce rainbows alight around the room, laughs her head off and dances on tables. It feels like a recurring dream I had as a kid where, although everything looked exactly as it should, something cataclysmic had changed and I couldn't fathom what it was. Then my kids come and sit either side of me, <laughs> snuggling in tight because they know this feeling. There's two now. A gale, this time. Seven pounds, six ounces. Little sister for my boy. A family complete. We got a pound off the lazy mum. The woman at the bar smiles and waves. I smile back. Fish and chips, fried donuts or a tempeh mix and thirsty pack down at the pier head.
waiting for the daffodil to bumper at the water's edge, the sunbeams dancing across the sky like paparazzi in anticipation, the excitement of boarding ship, holding the ropes and she sways, rushing for an upstairs open air seat, the sky wraps around you gently and joins you in your adventure across the Mersey. To the first city I ever loved. Like an old love, I know your flaws. My hands slip over familiar curves, rediscovering your beauty. Podgy and comforting between my toes. Your voice as unnoticeable to me as my own. I love you, but I don't want you. I love you, though I can barely tell it anymore. I love you. Because you are doughy flesh with a once beguiling to me smile, you are my first wife, to whom I acceptingly return, sighing and slowly shagging, the missionary stance, doing a number on my worn-down knees. It's a real treat for me to have the opportunity of creating part of these Love Liverpool letters. My personal contribution has actually been in some ways, asking some of the hosts of our picnics to provide us with delicacies as we go around Liverpool and listen to these memories. And it's been really wonderful to hear what Frank Cottrell Boys and Cathy Tyson, many of our wonderful alumni from the Everyman and Playhouse have given us. And today we've got a really, I think, delicious picnic offered actually by two fantastic Liverpool people, um, both of whom have mark significant moments um, in my time here um, as artistic director. The first is a poem that is read by David Morrissey. And interestingly, it's a Roger McGough poem. And of course, Roger provided us with another lovely picnic on our route. Uh, And Roger remains a friend, but also marks a fabulous moment for me in the theatres when we actually produced three of his adaptations of Molière's work, beginning with Tartuffe, which maybe some of you remember all the way back in the capital of culture. But when I spoke to David about what he'd like to contribute, he said this poem meant a great deal to him and he'd like to read it um, for people to listen to as they ponder about this city and the great artists and moments that this city can give you. David and I uh, first worked together in 2011 and it was the year when we were knocking down the everyman and of course that year sticks with me as much as any other, maybe more than any other. It was a very moving experience and that 2011 production of Macbeth was the very last production on the old everyman stage and it meant a huge amount to David and I and all the cast but I think so much to David. David had actually made his stage debut in Macbeth on the Playhouse stage many years before. He'd been part of our youth theatre there. But here he was playing the Scottish King with all that entails and on his beloved Everyman stage for the very last time that anyone was to perform there. And it was a wonderful experience. Um, a wonderful cast, many of whom still work with us now. Um, And we completely reinvented the space because we could, because we knew that really the bulldozers were in as soon as the lights came down on the final performance. So any of you that saw it remember that we knocked 
right to the back of the sort of scene dock and had stairs coming up from the basement. It was a wonderful production and David gave a very special performance in it. But I think for all of us, it was more than just a production. It was a farewell to a much-loved space before we even knew how beautiful and how much loved our new everyman would be. David and I have remained friends since then, and in fact he was, up until very recently, a very active board member for the theatres and still remains a close friend and one of the most generous and wise people it has been my pleasure to work with over my years in theatre. Anyway, here he is as the first part of our picnic, Mr David Morrissey reading Funny Sort of Bloke by Roger McGough. Have you heard the latest scandal about 80-year-old Mr Brown? He stole from Matron's handbag, then hitchhiked into town. Had a slap-up meal at the Wimpy, then went to a film matinee. One of them sexy blue ones we're not supposed to see. Then he bought some jeans and a toupee, spent the night in a pub, then carried on till the early hours, dancing in a club. They caught him in the morning, trying to board the London train. He tried to fight them off, but he's back here again. They asked him if he'd be a good boy. He said he'd rather not, so they gave him a nice injection and tied him to his cot. He died that very night. Apparently a stroke. He kept saying, come out, death, and fight. Funny sort of bloke. Another significant person in my time with Liverpool, and actually in some ways prefiguring my time as artistic director of The Everyman, is the playwright and all-round brilliant human being, Mr Jonathan Harvey. I wanted him to be part of this series of letters to Liverpool because... Well, when we closed for COVID-19 back in March, his critically acclaimed world premiere, Our Lady of Blundell Sands, was on the Everyman stage. Actually, it still is. And we hope that when this very, very extended interval is open, we'll be able to give you the second half of what was a run broken by lockdown. But Jonathan has been a friend to these theatres, way before I arrived. He began, uh, his very first play was performed in the Playhouse studio where he won a playwriting prize back in the 1980s. Jonathan and I first met uh, down in London before I became an artistic director here and he was by then already a Liverpool playwright, a national playwright of note. He had written the remarkable, beautiful thing that was performed at the Bush Theatre back then, but also then became a film. Uh, I had directed a play by another Liverpool writer, Helen Blakeman, and now board member, um, called Caravan, down at the Bush, the same theatre where he had done Beautiful Thing. And he saw Caravan and he really loved the play and he also said that he loved the direction. And he asked me to direct what was then his new play, Guiding Star, which was a co-production between The Everyman, before it was joined with The Playhouse, and The National Theatre. And that is one of the great moments for me, that first reading of Guiding Star and my first introduction to the Liverpool Everyman as a director. 
Some of you may remember that Guiding Star looked at post-traumatic stress disorder in a father who loses his children during Hillsborough. And although he relocates them, there is a significant period of time where he can't find them in the panic that ensues. And he's in a very complex place because he is grieving. He has gone through something very traumatic, but of course he can't in some ways expect the support maybe that others who really lost their relatives are receiving, but it changes him. And Jonathan, who is known for many, many great plays, Hush by Mountain, that, that look at the gay experience, many different things. This was his first look really at post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, it starred the wonderful Colin Tierney and it was a production I was very proud of and received great reviews and went on down to the National Theatre. So my relationship with Jonathan began then and then later we commissioned him at the Everyman and Playhouse to write a fantastic new play called Canary that was performed on the Playhouse stage. Um, I'm very, very proud of that show. It looked at the issues facing the gay population from way back in the 60s where, uh, of course, it was more difficult to uh, come out and talk about your sexuality. Um, and it was a very, very moving production um, that I think all of us remain very proud to have put on the Playhouse stage. Those of you that don't know Jonathan might not know that he is one of the most generous and one of the funniest human beings you will ever know. Um, he moved up from London, back to from London, back up to Liverpool recently, and I think there was a mighty cheer from a very large circle of people who were so pleased to have him back with us. His picnic um, includes, of course it does, a joke. Um, it wouldn't be Jonathan if it didn't have a joke. A very funny story about his grandmother's cooking and his favourite recipe at the moment um, as he tries to live on a less carbohydrate-based diet. Um, I wish you all knew David and Jonathan like I did, and that's not meaning to sound um, like a show-off, but they really are two extraordinary men who both work an awful lot for charity and stand very strongly by their values. They live them every day of their lives. Anyway, over to Jonathan. Very serious joke. Two baldy cats sit on the bus. The ticket inspector gets on and goes, Where's your fare? Another place. The waiting actors with frayed temperaments. The setting is about another place. Theme as old as time, settling old scores. What are the essentials of this drama? Movement without motion, time and tide. Rhythm without music, whooshing and splashing. Language without speech, silent moodiness. Staring without sight, symbolic meaning. Drama without intent. Aesthetic illusions of all of them who went to sea in ships. Parties of migrants hoping to go west. Units of soldiers 
imperially bent. Chained men, commoditized. Thought-provoking these silent metal men. Cast in the mercy, at the mercy of the elements. Locked in history, in another place. Hiya, my name is Paula Hume and I'm really pleased to be part of the Love Liverpool project and I'd like to share a poem with you which was just about the short time that I was away from Liverpool and how much it made me appreciate it um, while I was away and, and now that I'm back. It's called It's Not the Leaving of Liverpool. It's easy to leave a great city full of life, love, family and abundance of wonderful memories it's easy to forget how great it is, why you love it so much, from the changing seasons to the architecture full of echoes of time gone, time standing still and time yet to come. Dipping in and out of the world outside my Liverpool, afraid to go, afraid to be, but pushing my own boundaries with every step and always glad to be back. It's easy to take it for granted, it'll always be there, my rock, my Mersey, enveloped in the warmth of its muddy waters. Even the scallies and the kidders and the lars become endearing over time and when you're a few hours out of touch on a daily basis. But when the tide keeps bringing you back to the shore you started out on, then it's not the leaving of Liverpool, it's the coming back. Thank you. Our message for support this week comes from Elliot. Elliot was part of Young Everyman Playhouse and one of our graduates that we're very, very proud of. Some of you may remember that Elliot was the first member of YEP to be part of the repertory company that we had. So you will have seen him perform in several of that first season of shows. He was in Fiddler on the Roof, but perhaps most notably, he was our Juliet in Nick Bagnall's wonderful production of Romeo and Juliet. He's now making a living as a freelance actor and running his own company that looks at new writing. He's a phenomenal young man and very much everything that we're about in these theatres. So over to you, Elliot. Hi there. Thank you for listening to Love Liverpool and A to Z of Hope. My name is Elliot Kingsley and I'm an actor. I used to be a member of the Young Everyman Playhouse Actors Programme and through their YEP graduate scheme I became a member of the first rep company back in 2017 where the theatres returned back to the repertory theatre that they're so well known and loved for. YEP itself is one of the brightest youth theatres in the country, committed to developing, nurturing and really supporting new artists across the northwest. For me, YEP was a second home and gave me a safe space where I could come and develop my craft. So I'm going to ask you that if you're in the position to do so, would you please consider donating to the theatres that made this project possible, the Liverpool Everyman and Playhouse, via their website, everymanplayhouse.com. Your donation means that the theatre can continue doing what it does best, entertaining us, challenging us, supporting our communities, and our young people. We hope to see you very soon. Thank you, and please take care. <laughs>